Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 87, and we're reviewing Mob Psycho 100. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode, so you've been warned. Also, be warned, I have allergies. Like, slight, slight allergies, but I feel like my nose is just a bit stuffed. Yeah, Chicago skipped over spring and now it's gone into summer, so it's I think our bodies are trying week. to. Oh yeah, they've God. been trying to adjust to everything now. Yeah, and I usually don't get allergies until the fall, but I don't know, maybe because the weather is tweaking out, that my my nose is also tweaking out. Yeah, like last week or the past forty days before this week, it's just been cloudy every day, and then it was like nonstop the... rain for like two months. Yeah. And then this week rolls around and it's like high 80s and sunny out, which is great, but there's no like in between yeah. with Chicago. <laughs> there's no progression. It's just from one extreme to the next. Yeah, I saw a meme. <laughs> it's like the the guy that like oversteps um, like a set of stairs uh-huh. and like his his bottom most foot is on winter and then there's spring in the middle and the top is summer <laughs> like yep. that's that's chicago right there interestingly i think the midwest is one of the few areas in the u.s that experiences four full seasons that's what a teacher told me back in high school so hopefully they weren't lying to us um but with chicago it just it's very very erratic you never know what to expect like technically we do have four full seasons technically we've been experiencing spring um but also like not this week <laughs> yeah it is scorching this week and it's only may and, you know, in addition to having allergies in my nose, I also have penises on the brain, to quote The Office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been talking a lot about the, uh, we, the dicks today. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking a lot about dicks in our Patreon bonus content, um, specifically uh, talking about Dick Fight Island in a pre-show. And then we were talking, we, we were doing <laughs> patron Q&A where someone asked, about Aaron Yeager, and all I'll say is the website did not have those pictures the first time I looked. I was not expecting <laughs> Aaron like surprise Aaron Yeager erection when I scrolled down those photos. That was not what I was expecting. <laughs> Let's just say we weren't looking up hentai. Yes, yeah, so we weren't looking. We weren't seeking out you know Aaron Yeager penis, but it just happened to be there when it wasn't there before. I swear to God, those pictures were not there before. But if you're curious to know what the fuck we're talking about, um, head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series because apparently uh, on occasion we talk a lot about dicks there. <laughs> I still can't handle it. I keep laughing to myself every time I think about my reaction to that. And speaking of Patreon. <laughs> what a great transition. <laughs> yeah, going from dicks to... <laughs> the, the real reason uh, we have Patreon is to connect with our listeners on a on a deeper level and provide them with with bonus content sometimes around penises <laughs> hopefully not too much though um but yeah this week we we gained a new patron and so we want to give a huge shout out to our newest patron ck Woohoo! round of applause in front of the microphone yes. <laughs> so nice to get something else out of patreon this week besides <laughs> So thank you, CK, for showing your support for the Strictly series of podcasts. 
I will say that your support, just to tie in with today's discussion, it nearly got us going Psycho 100. So. Oh, I thought you were gonna make a dick reference. No, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna just move on from that. <laughs> Enough dicks on the or penises on the brain, whatever the office quote was. But anyway, CK, <laughs> thank you for helping us continue to make anime content and share our love of anime with the community. And if you would like to support the show and get access to things like bonus episodes, the pre-show, our show schedules, our discussions about certain things, (laughs) and uh, submit questions for us to answer on our podcast and in our patron-only Q&A, then head over once more again, once more again, (laughs) to patreon.com slash the Strictly Series. Yes, thank you, CK, for becoming a patron and for your support. We, We seriously appreciate it. One last panel update, because as of the this episode's release date, yes, I'm looking at the calendar, um, we will be in the week of Anime Central. That was a very odd Ooh. sentence structure. Um, but yeah, Friday is our panel. Uh, we are scheduled for May 20th at 8 p.m. for Waifu Wars, the tournament arc. Um, as a reminder, the guidebook app now has ASEN schedule loaded. So if you are going to the convention, be sure to download the guidebook app so you can see specifically where we're going to be located. I think they moved all of the panels to the same area, which makes things easier. But um, we're kind of like, I don't know, it's like a maze. The convention center can be a maze. So we recommend downloading the guidebook app to see where our panel will be located. And we hope to see you there. I'm excited. I can't believe we're in ASEN week. It's been two, three years since the convention happened. Yes. So I'm very, I'm very excited as well. My hype levels, they don't get high enough until the actual date of an event. Like if we're flying somewhere, um, I don't get excited until we're we're on the flight there. <laughs> and so I'm going to tie in with our, our our discussion today. My hype level is currently at 22%. <laughs> oh, okay. I like that. Um, I would say my hype level is probably at like 85%, growing mm. each day that we get closer to ASEN. I'm super hyped. This is actually going to be my 20th year at Anime Central. Wow. Not to make okay, myself, you. you know, sound fucking old, but... I started going to ASEN when I was a kid, um, chaperoned by my parents. God bless them for uh, not knowing anything about anime and conventions, yet taking all of us kids to Anime Central back in the day. And here I am, 20 years later. So it's it's a good one. I'm excited. Not only are we back with a an in-person convention, it's my 20th anniversary at ASEN, and we're hosting a panel. I mean, this is going to be so good. I am so hyped right now. Yeah. I think it'll be my 12th year uh, attending ASEN, and it's one of the things that I look forward to every year. Again, just being in the atmosphere again of all the weebs and I guess like some of the degeneracy <laughs> that happens uh, late at night. But like the the convention itself is is great. Like going to the dealers hall, the artist alley, attending panels like ours and then oh. other, other panels as well and the 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 what do you call it? the raves at night I, yeah I know. i'm excited for that yeah there's the soap bubble which i think is now on friday and synergy which is on saturday wait now. what the fuck they changed it i think i'm pretty sure they switched it around right the soap bubble used to be on saturday always forever and in, in all the 20 years i've been going it's always been on saturday i'm pretty sure 
Yeah, I don't know why they kind of they flipped around. I wonder if it's because the they got some big names for Synergy. Yeah, I was about because fucking to say, Moe Shop is gonna yeah. be there. I fucking love Moe Shop. I was so hyped when I saw that announcement. We need to see their set. Like, it, it, there's no way we can miss it. I will be so pissed if we miss it. Yeah, I love their music, and I think I had a copy of like the ASEN guidebook from 2019. I was like cleaning one of our rooms and just happened upon it and i saw that they were li- or moe shop was listed as one of the guests for that asin and obviously we didn't know moe shop back then but having listened to their music now i'm i'm really excited to see them at i think they're doing synergy on saturday night so hopefully we won't be too litty by then. I'm going to be fucking <laughs> wasted. <laughs> Let's uh, be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I look forward, to hopefully, to, to hearing their set, as well as all the other DJs that are um, that are in the lineup, too. So, yeah, come out and see us if you're going to be at ASEN. Waifu Wars, the tournament arc. It's going to be it's going to be a good time. It's going to be fun. Ooh, I'm excited. Um, one last housekeeping item before we move into Mob Psycho 100. Quick reminder about Spotify. Thank you, as always, to everyone who's been leaving us reviews. We are currently at, or reviews, ratings. We're currently at 78 for Strictly Anime, and we are still pushing toward that goal of 100 ratings on the Spotify app for Strictly Anime. So if you're listening on Spotify and you haven't yet left us a rating, go on Strictly Anime. There's a little star underneath the follow and and bell icons. You can just tap that, leave us a rating, and help us get to 100. We'd really appreciate it. And of course, if you use other streaming services for your podcasts, such as uh, Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave us a rating and a review there. We, we do read through the reviews, and I've seen some, and they've been pretty wholesome, and so it's it's always nice to, to get that feedback. So wherever you are, just hit that like button, subscribe, <laughs> and just you know leave us a rating or review if you'd like. It's basically going to become like YouTube. We're, we're going to be like, hit that follow button, hit that bell icon, slap that star with the rating, punch a review into mm-hmm. the app. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But anyway, yes, any support that you guys can provide, we very much appreciate it. Thank you so much. So let's talk about Mob Psycho. Because we finally watched it. I feel like sometimes we just take forever to jump on some of these bandwagons. And Mob Psycho is clearly one of them. Because season three got announced as we were watching. Not announced, but uh, the trailer got released as we were watching season one. So we're only, you know, two seasons behind. Yeah, because I think people knew that season three was imminent. Uh, But to preface it, the the week that we're recording this, um, it was Mob's birthday this past Thursday. May 12th so the timing could not have been more perfect with us watching the show and as we mentioned the the trailer for season three I guess the announcement trailer came out the day of mob's birthday and so they confirmed that season three will be coming out October 2022 so October or fall of this year Um, we didn't watch the trailer obviously because we want to make sure we get caught up I did see a visual on twitter that i think was connected to season three i won't was say was it a spoiler i was, I, don't, I don't know because it it had a picture of dimple and mob and that's all i'll say okay I, i'm trying to like <laughs> avoid it i don't want to get spoiled but it is nice to know that 
it's coming out in October. Mm-hmm. We've got a, a date now. And this was kind of intentional for us to watch Mob Psycho at this point because we, again, had heard about season three coming at some point. So we figured let's start Mob Psycho and hopefully it'll time out well um, where we kind of wrap things up as season three is approaching. And lo and behold, I think it's going to play out that way. So after finishing season one, what were your thoughts on Mob Psycho? It's a very unexpected show. And I feel like I've said that a lot with <laughs> the shows that we watch, <laughs> but this one in particular, um, it reminded me of One Punch Man, just One Punch Man with spirits and con artistry galore. And I think that that's no coincidence because the mangaka for Mob Psycho, I think there's they go by the pseudonym One and they've done both Mob Psycho 100 and One Punch Man. Because <laughs> like, there's that one meme of Saitama with his his eyes, and it looks exactly like Mob. Yeah, if you just take Mob's face and Saitama's face, like not when Saitama's angry, but when he's, you know, acting normal, um, they look, it's, it's the same fucking face. Like they look mm-hmm. identical. <laughs> yeah. It's like like a, Mob oh, just has hair. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if like Saitama's like an older Mob or something. And yeah, they they have pretty similar abilities, right? Like one they're punch OP. man. Yeah, yeah, they're they're OP. Uh, by the way, I, I also learned that this was a live action series in 2018. It was. Oh god, yeah. I'm gonna Google and this. And I think it was a stage play too, because I was looking at the Mob Psycho wiki, and it showed the character as he appears in the manga and the anime, and then two different live action actors, which I, I think the. That's Mob? <laughs> Are you looking what at the, the TV one? Fuck? I don't know. Eyes? Oh, TV miniseries. I think he kind of looks like uh, like a real life That's mob. Reagan? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Obviously, I don't know. Maybe we should do a series. I know you probably won't, like where we, we watch the live action versions of these anime and, and see how hey, they Hey, that's out. on our Patreon, okay? That's a goal <laughs> on our Patreon page. If we reach a certain amount of patrons, then we'll... Uh, will create a whole new review series called Make Me Suffer. Oh, that's right. Where yeah. I suffer through live action adaptations of anime and then we review them for the enjoyment of everyone listening. <laughs> Although there is one out for uh, my review of the live action Cowboy Bebop. But yeah, I guess if we ever reach that goal, we could add the live action Mob Psycho. And and suffer <laughs> I will. I don't know, man. I, I just can't get into live action adaptations. But... I mean, I guess I could see this kid. This guy is mob. Like he looks like a mob, like just a, a plain boy. Yeah, I think just his eyes. Something about his eyes just stick out to me as a as a mob. Yeah. But I guess going back to the anime itself, I thought the show was good. Uh, I know people have praised it. I think more specifically, like the second season. But I, this was a great starter season. Of course, uh, I didn't expect mob's plain voice and character design i read that he is voiced by setsuo ito and mob is one of his only major voice acting roles because looking at his filmography there wasn't much else um listed for him of course he's doing the new season which they added uh to his repertoire but yeah there was not much else i love his voice for mob i think he's a great fit He's just, he's perfect. Um, I, I think 
mob is like very unexpected for me as well. I figured the animation was going to be unique just based on short clips that I had seen and key visuals and whatnot. But the animation is super unique and very mm -hmm. over the top. Like Studio Bones fucking kills it. Like they're blending in single episodes, like multiple animation um, and art styles. It's kind of crazy. I I praised Furikuri, or I commented at least on uh, Furikuri doing that when we did our review, where you know it's it would switch from Furikuri style animation to suddenly like a manga panel, or um, it's, it switched to South Park at one point. Do you remember that? Yeah. But here I feel like again they're doing it so frequently in Mob Psycho 100, and so many times in just a single episode. Like that's very impressive it's got to be difficult um on the animators to adjust like that so so often so major props to them um i love mob i have that soft spot for the lovable stupid characters and he definitely falls into that category his flat personality placed in all these weird or like difficult situations makes for really funny scenes and mm -hmm. when it comes to the humor i i think i enjoy the show the most because of the humor. Like, I feel like the humor lands 99% of the time because it's never try hard or over the top or in your face. It's the perfect amount of like subtle humor that doesn't distract from the scenes playing out, which is why I think the humor works so well, even in some of the more serious or intense scenes. But with that said, the actual story falls just a bit short for me. Like it's, it's enjoyable for sure. I don't, regret watching it. I had a good time with season one, but it seems a bit predictable or feels as though it's been done before. And I'm not even trying to like allude to like one punch or whatever. Like it just feels like this formula is pretty common in anime. Hmm. Um, I don't know, like something about it doesn't seem special um, or as special as other aspects of the show. Like I'm hoping the story grows and they expand on it and improve on it in season two, because right now I just like it was good, but it wasn't a great story. Actually, I kind of want to tie in your thing about this show not or this season not feeling very special um, to just mobs in nature. Uh, I was reading a little bit more about like where his name came from. I think it's they pronounce it Mabu. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of like a Japanese slang term using an English word. They call it Wase Ego. Uh, it it stands for background character. <laughs> and I think that that's kind of what you see with Mob's approach in this series. Like he knows he has these abilities or these psychic abilities, but he kind of wants to stay in the background and not be like the the protagonists or like the I think they call him the white tea poison because they know he's so powerful. Like he just wants to be like a normal kid. And yeah, I think the story and the plot in this first season is is very plain. Uh, but I, I just think it's interesting that it, here you have a sort of hero who doesn't want to be a hero, uh, but like he's faced with certain challenges and obstacles throughout this season where he needs to, to make that choice. Um, and then in the alt or the finale or the season finale, um, he kind of circumvents that in a, in a certain way. Yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting that um, he almost views his psychic abilities as like, normal like it's not something he sees as makes him special he's almost like seeking out that one thing that makes him special or makes him mm -hmm. feel fulfilled when he has 
when he pretty much has it from from the get go. Um, so I really do enjoy that aspect of the story, and that's why I'm hoping because I've also heard that season two is sig- not significantly, but much better than season one. Um, like the story gets much much better um, in uh, again in the next season. So I'm looking forward to that. I feel like this maybe sets a good foundation for mm-hmm. Mob's overall story and the overall plot for this anime. Um, but I would say you know it, it just kind of felt like you know character young character has this ability that they're you know still growing into and and they don't understand how the larger world you know works and now they're put in these situations where they're kind of pushed into making decisions or thinking about things in a way that they normally wouldn't um i don't know, like something about it felt a little formulaic but again i think I, I could see how this would be a very unique premise as the show continues on yeah, the way I see it is, it was just so plain. <laughs> but yeah, I, plain I, like mob. <laughs> yeah, but I, I kind of understand why, and hopefully next the next season will amp things up a bit. Um, one last thing before we go into our synopsis and discussion, I agree. Like the the art design of the show, it's it's very absurdists, absurdist, and I got hints of you mentioned like Furikuri or even Gurren Lagan with those kind of manga sketch action sequences whenever mob goes psycho 100 i guess uh it's it's not like super flashy kind of like my hero which is the other anime that bones uh, works on but it's still very mesmerizing to watch and you know it's not like a typical i guess anime design or art style watching the first episode i actually wrote a note that it kind of reminds me of uh, Eagle Raptors animation. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, where it's kind of like sometimes you, you got characters that are just flailing on screen, especially <laughs> Reagan, and like they have exaggerated looks on their faces. Uh, so it, it, uh, it almost felt like watching like a one of those classic nostalgic YouTube videos. Yeah, now I'm gonna go watch. Like I'm gonna go down a YouTube rabbit hole of Eagle Raptors old stuff, the old animations. Those were good. Yeah. I guess that was a nice point of the show is, again, it's not, it, it doesn't feel so anime, <laughs> even though it is still an anime. With that all said, don't go psycho just yet, as we are diving into our synopsis and discussion now for Mob Psycho 100, which is the 2016 anime adaptation of the manga series created by One. Produced by Bones and directed by Yuzuru Tachikawa, the series follows ordinary middle schooler Shigeo Kageyama, aka Mob, born with an extraordinary gift of immensely powerful psychic abilities as he navigates the responsibilities of using his powers wisely while providing assistance to his mentor figure and certified con man, Regan Arataka. In episode 1, self-proclaimed psychic Arataka Regan and Mob, if there's something strange in your neighborhood, who are you gonna call? Hopefully not Arataka Regan, Japan's biggest ESP con artist who runs his exorcism business by exploiting a middle schooler named One Punch Mob, whose impressive psychic powers contrast greatly from his plain persona. When the pair are called to cast out a ghostly biker gang haunting a tormented tunnel, One Punch Mob sends their asses to the Shadow Realm with 0% effort, though his percentage levels towards a foreboding explosion are rising just as fast as my cholesterol levels. Alright, so let's start off with the music. Uh, the OP and the ED. 
The OP is titled 99, and it is performed by Mob Choir. Mob Choir. Which I think is just the the music collaboration that was created specifically for the show. So it's not an actual band. It's kind of like the the do or the, what's it called the du yeah the D- oh yeah from jojo yeah where they perform the, the diamond season. is unbreakable basically yeah they perform the season four uh, the i like how they OP. call themselves a choir though <laughs> yeah although you, you think that the the main singer sounds like the the singer who did the o no, not the op uh the ed for attack on titan the final season part two i do when she holds those long notes it sounds like the same person and i haven't been able to confirm whether that's the case yeah i've looked everywhere on the internet and it just lists the performers of this op as mob choir Hmm. no no members or anything but yeah it's a it's a pretty decent song um i like that it's counting to a hundred at certain points but then it kind of i think at the end it just stops at a 99 so you never reach the 100 it's kind of evoking like a a sense of mystery as to what happens when mob's percentage hits 100 which we find out um we technically find out at the beginning of this episode but we actually see it a couple episodes down the road and uh i think yeah the song's basically talking about mob looking up the translation the first Versus, if everyone is not special, maybe you can be what you want to be. Everyone will surely find their own answer. And that harkens back to Mob not wanting to, like, shine, like, not wanting the light to shine so much on him because he has these abilities, but he just kind of wants to be a a plain boy. (laughs) (laughs) And a plain boy he is. I love the OP. I I really enjoyed the song. I, I think it's intense. I think my favorite part are the visuals. It's fucking weird and strange and insane and it reminds me of adult swim i feel like like Mm. if you were to take the visuals from this op and like just throw them into like adult swim somehow it would fit perfectly with the lineup they have and the kind of like um like weird shit that they post i feel like this is straight out of adult swim uh watching the this op like i know it starts off with the the nice and neon look of the city and it's very psychedelic. Um, you have similar visuals for the characters, and yeah, it just descends into anarchy after that. Um, like in the one part with the Ferris wheels, and like the camera's panning like left and then up and then like right. It's really yeah, weird. I, I, can't I love even, it. I can't even tell you what visuals I <laughs> you're saw. Like there's, I, your eyes are being assaulted yeah, by what's I happening on screen. Like <laughs> mushrooms and then just a mob rotating in the His air. His heads. <laughs> yeah. um, and it, it kind of reminds me of, I think, uh, John Tron did a video on the these like way back when um like japanese shoot 'em up games there there was one he featured where like you didn't know what you were looking at on screen like there was like naked men and they were shooting things out of weird orifices like uh, dick fight island i guess kind of, yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah i think like the the op kind of evokes that same imagery here and I saw a YouTube comment on the OP uh, as it appears on YouTube, and it said, your opening can't have spoilers if you can't understand what the hell is going on. This is true, <laughs> actually. <laughs> they knew what they were doing, I think. <laughs> and moving on to the ED, which is not as exciting as the OP, but it's still pretty good. Uh, it's called Refrain Boy by All Off. Um, yeah, it was a good 
goodie D, I didn't pay much attention to it. Kind of an angsty, angsty rock feel. Uh, I think the lyrics talk about the... I'm pulling one out. Under the sky of nowhere, we search for answer to seize our lives. Forget the tears and the eyes beyond the lights. Um, I kind of interpret it like these characters wanting normal lives or just having control over their lives, especially with Mob again. Um, visuals, you have like these sort of like paintings of, I think it's Reagan's morning routine. And it kind of gives me... Take on me vibes, you know the that eighty song, that. yeah. Um, and then you have the ending shot where uh, it's Reagan and Mob meeting up, and so kind of focuses on their relationship. Yeah, I thought the ED was good. It was, you know, it's fine. Um, I do appreciate the stop motion brush stroke type of aesthetic, um, but other than that, nothing really captivated me about it. I think it, I didn't think it was bad, but I also didn't think it was amazing. So yeah, it was fine. It was. It was it was good. It was mid. Is, is this an appropriate appropriate <laughs> yeah. time to use mid? I feel yeah. like mid has a more negative connotation than what I'm trying to convey. Yeah. It was better than mid. I feel, I feel like, yeah, average <laughs> has become the new worst Upper or mid. Yeah. <laughs> so right off the bat with this first episode, I immediately was drawn to the dynamic between Reagan, this flashy con artist, and Mob, this coup de day psychic middle schooler who's just very bland. Um, and I was also drawn to the premise, thinking that the story was going to follow Mob and Reagan. Um, I think part of the reason why I, I felt like the story fell a little bit short for me is because I was actually more invested in Mob and Reagan's, you know, adventures than Mob and what was going on with Ritsu and like all of the kids and stuff. I wanted to see more of Mob and Reagan, which we got like towards the end of the season. Um, but I, I think, I think that's kind of part of it is like you, they set up this really funny dynamic and they had a couple of great episodes around that. And then they like pulled away from it for a while. So I, I really enjoy Reagan and the way he, like his whole relationship with mob. And I hope we get more of that in season two, but right off the bat that I think that's what captured me with the show. Yeah. I just realized like we only get a couple episodes or even scenes where, we see Reagan and Mob interact, and yeah, most of it is just focused on Mob's own journey. But yeah, this I kind of felt like watching something out of a like a buddy cop film, and I, I can't believe like I, I get Mob's a middle schooler; he doesn't know any better. But just how gullible he is! And it's so funny. <laughs> I think, like he thinks that Reagan's gonna be like a true mentor for him, which in a way Reagan is because he always reinforces with Mob. And I think at the end of this episode. Uh, he like after they faced that biker gang in the tunnel uh mob asks reagan why he didn't really help out and reagan just says it was to give mob more development with his ability um <laughs> but reagan also i think early in the episode says that mob should never use his powers on other people but rather just to actually exercise the spirits that he's conning people into exercising um, so yeah, I guess Reagan in a way is a, a mentor, but it's, it's just one of those weird mentor mentee relationships because you know how scammy he is. It's such a funny dynamic because Reagan relies on mob for his powers and mob thinks that Reagan is a powerful psychic, but he says that he's more of a spiritual psychic, which I think at some point someone's like, that's not a thing, <laughs> but mm -hmm. mom doesn't know any better. He's just a kid. Um, I also really appreciated or not appreciated, but was surprised by mom's family knowing about his powers 
and it just being totally normal for them. I love that transparency because oftentimes the character is trying to hide their powers or their abilities from their family or from, you know, a specific group of people. And here it's just like it's normal everyday life for Mob to have these powers to accidentally bend spoons when he's trying to eat dinner. I, I thought that was so cool. And I think this is an example of seeing parents in anime. Oh, my God. We had parents in anime, <laughs> yeah. and they're loving, and they are aware of their children. <laughs> and, yeah, they're, they're accepting of their children. So good on, good on Mob's parents. In episode two, Doubts About Youth, the tele, telepathy? Telepathy. Telepathy? The telepathy club. <laughs> the telepathy. <laughs> that word always screws me up, but the telepathy club appears. In search of adolescent purpose, One Punch Mob explores the option of joining his school's <laughs> telepathy club. Hold on. Telepathy? Telepathy club. Usually I'm the one who can't pronounce shit. Yeah. I don't know why this, this word is. I think, I think I, it says telepath. Yeah. Telepathy. Or telephone. That's what I'm Telephone. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. There you okay. Go. <laughs> let me try this again. In search of adolescent purpose, One Punch Mob explores the option of joining his school's telepathy club before Reagan drags him into an infiltration mission at an all-girls school to cast out a paranormal peeping Tom. The ghost leaves him with some words of wisdom that basically transcribes to YOLO, so Mob takes it to heart by joining the club of bodily improvement, for physical strength is just as important as psychical strength. I loved this episode. I thought it was so funny. Um, it's I I've noted that it seems like curses and psychic powers aren't exactly like secretive because this this shit goes down right in front of a group of students. But they're also not broadcasted in this world. I feel like there's like you know if you know or you know if you've come across it, um, but it's not like you know splashed across social media and and media in general. So there's like. I don't know, it feels like a little more well-known than, say, Curses and Jujutsu Kaisen, but it's not, like, you know, heavily known throughout society is the the vibe I'm getting at this point. Yeah, I, I think it's just funny that, like, you know, like, Reagan is, is, again, exploiting Mob by having him go to this school, but, like, Mob at the beginning of this episode, all he just... He he just wants to live a quiet life, I guess. Like like have a have a normal life as a student, and that's why he's trying to find a hobby at at one of the the school clubs. Um, and then of course it's the telepathy club of all clubs, um, who are also I think they were trying to tap into, or was it this episode or the next one where the president was trying to tap into Mob's ability. Uh, I don't know. It might have been the, the next one. But yeah, I thought it was so funny that he's presented with a club that clearly fits what others see as his special abilities. But because Mob doesn't see his psychic abilities as anything special or anything that sets him apart or makes him unique, he thinks that bulking up will actually set him apart and gain right. the attention of the one chick that he's got a crush on. Subomi Chani. That was so funny to me <laughs> when he decided to join the Body Improvement Club. And then it just became even better when he stuck with the club the entire season and they were super supportive of him. Like it was just the funniest, most unexpected like humor. Again, like the humor in the show is so spot on for me. While the overall plot might be somewhat predictable, this was not predictable to me at all, and I, I really enjoyed that. Um, I also found it interesting that I think it was, um, this is the episode that Ekubo technically gets, no, Ekubo's later with the cult, right? You're talking about uh, Dimple? 
Yeah. Sorry, I I, I call him Echo Ball. That, oh. That's his. That's what they call him in um in the Japanese yeah. dub. But but the sub said Dimple. Dimple. I went yeah. With Dimple, so but yeah, we're gonna call this out now. Echo Ball and Dimple are the same character, regardless of you know who's calling him what. Um. But anyway, the the spirit, the curse in this episode, uh like gets mob to start questioning if he's maximizing his time and the potential and his youth and then there's people asking him what he wants to do and he has no idea and then he kind of like seems lost about that and in my mind i'm like dude you're in middle school you're in junior high it's okay you don't need to know no, what yeah. you want to do in life i mean i'm, I'm sure the pressure of him not being like amongst the popular students um that that kind of gets to his head and that's understandable like i feel like i went through a similar situation in in grade school until i learned like it it's okay to to have your own path and not be like the number one kid in school or number one kid among your peers um so i, I guess it's very poignant for this spirit to kind of tie in with with what mob was seeking and in asking like are you living every day to the fullest and that's what kind of spurs mob to make his own decision about what club he wants to get into and i mean at least he has a goal which is to get with that again i don't know the, her name but the he is subomi subomi um so yeah he's he's got a goal it's just funny that we learn later that she doesn't exactly treat him the best and like I don't does know, she, she even acknowledge him at not all not really and like the like there's like flashbacks that he he remembers and i feel like she just kind of brushes him off or maybe teases him a little bit so that's just mob being mob him being very um gullible and kind of a stupid guy <laughs> yeah. oh yeah the flashbacks they they did talk to each other as kids and then she slowly lost interest i think because he was showing his his psychic powers yeah right so yeah, powers aren't anything. Powers aren't everything. Is that what I meant? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, episode three, an invitation to a meeting. Simply put, I just want to be popular. One punch mob falters with his new Peloton workout plan whilst dealing with Hakuna Kurata, the nagging telepathy club president. Whilst sulking on his way home, a sniper mask cosplayer goads him into attending a cult meeting led by Dimple who turns out to be possessed by a spirit that seeks to laugh everyone's problems away. After seeing his school journalist classmate forcibly converted and listening to Dimple's incessant villain talk, our plain protagonist goes mob psycho 100% in exercising the slapstick spirit, though he sticks around later on in the form of a lingering fart cloud. So I didn't think that we would see mob's explosion so quickly, just three episodes in. I was anticipating that we'd see this slow buildup of percentage every time he goes through a stressful situation. And then the like climax of the season would be the explosion finally happening. And the climax with the explosion. Uh, <laughs> going here, back to TikTok again. <laughs> Sorry. Here we get it in the third episode. So that was surprising. And I, I really like this concept of like actually putting a percentage value to Mob's explosion, like a breakdown of like the different things that he encounters in life and how much stress it puts him under and how like what percentage increase you see in his, you know, in his like explosion meter or whatever the fuck you would call it. I just thought that was cool. I, I feel like seeing something tangible like that actually kind of helps because you see stress build in a character in other shows and then they like blow up at a certain point. But here again, we get that tangible um, like visual for how his, his explosions are tracking basically. 
Yeah, and I think later on we see that the 100% uh, ability or whatever, it manifests in different ways, but kind of reminds me of, I, I feel like I'm making a lot of Arthur references recently. There was an episode with the character Francine where she too had to like bottle up her emotions until it just, like I think they showed like a, a, a bottle of pop like being shook and then it's pop topping off, and that's what happens with Mob here as uh, Dimple, or what's the Japanese name? Ekubo. Or Dimple or Ekubo um, keeps goading him about releasing his emotions despite the stuff, the heinous thing that he's doing with this cult. Um, I think the point of Mob wanting to go to this, because again, he's like a gullible as fuck, is being part of something, like Mob's desire to feel like he belongs somewhere, so he decides to join this woman in her mask um, at this uh, cult um, as, again, to, to be part of something and to be part of something popular. Um, but I don't, obviously it doesn't work out for him in the end. Yeah, we're seeing a lack of confidence and self-doubting with Mob when he's naturally really strong and capable because of his, his like, his, him being gifted with these psychic powers. Um, I, I, so I find that interesting because he's just not seeing what everybody else sees. And I think that's an ongoing theme in this show. But then, you know, you have Reagan there who makes mob feel better about himself by saying, I think at some point in the episode towards the end where he didn't take away from, or he didn't take, um, someone, someone away from that group of people, but instead he was the only one who could save them because he mm -hmm. felt bad about having to use his powers in that way. But Reagan's like, no, I mean, you see it this way, Mob. You see X, Y, Z, but we're all seeing, you know, one, two, three. And I, I, again, like that's that's an ongoing theme with not only him, but like other characters. When we get to, you know, Ritsu, I think being more introdu introduced to us in the next episode, we see that Ritsu f feels jealous of Mob for his natural psychic abilities and thinks that he doesn't have anything going for him when he's incredibly intelligent and like the top mm -hmm. of his class and and mob on the flip side is jealous of him for those abilities so it's kind of like uh what's that saying the grass is always greener yeah yeah on the other side i was thinking of spongebob the algae is always greener the algae but... is always greener <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> in episode four idiots only event kin a school gang war breaks out in seasoning city as teru in resonance the quote-unquote main character in this world exhibits his own psychic powers to take down One Punch Mob's delinquent classmate. Discount Josuke then concocts a revenge plan to get the Body Improvement Club to fight his school rival by having Mob kidnapped, although he is already being kept ransom by Dimple's sole presence. Though the fart cloud tries egging on the plain protagonist to prove his paranormal prowess, the tables are turned when Teru in Resonance shows up to administer his own psychic beatdown. A lot of JoJo references in this episode. JoJo? Well, with the, I think his name was Tenga, the guy who looks like a a, a rougher Josuke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Discount I, Josuke. Yeah, I want to say, like, we'll, we'll see with, with Teru himself. I think his character arc also follows JoJo logic with a, a former enemy becoming a friend as he 
he gets turned to the right ways of using his powers by observing what Mob does in the next episode. I could see that. Um, as I referenced earlier, this is the episode where we learn more about Ritsu, that he's jealous of his older brother's abilities, looks up to him, is overprotective um, of him, but we don't get the full context around that until later. Um, and then, yeah, Ekubo gets kind of like reintroduced seemingly as foe turned friend. But what I like about Ekubo is that he doesn't immediately flip that switch the way Teru does. Ekubo still seems devious and Mob is kind of catching on yeah. to that. Despite Mob being really dense, he is catching on to the to the fact that Ekubo could have some um, some ulterior motives. But throughout the show, I think Ekubo loses some of that devious nature and be, actually becomes more of a friend to Mob and the group as they go through all of the crazy trials that'll come up in the next few episodes. So I like that progression. I like that they didn't just automatically make this fucking ghost or curse or whatever be like oh well i'm all good now like you beat my ass i'm just a fart cloud now but you know what we're friends and i'm here for you like he actually does still show some of those uh some of that ill intent i don't know like i i was kind of questioning throughout the show like why is dimple Akubo still here like i, I feel like he still kind of toes the line where yeah he, he kind of seems friendly with mob and everyone else but i think like his whole purpose with him being the cult is like he wanted to become a god or something, right? I think so. And so I, f I feel like even though like he, he's on good terms with these characters that might still be lingering. Cause yeah, like I, I, I kept thinking that like we see him later on at the facility um, helping out mob and, and whatnot. But I, I feel like he's still there to, to pull off some kind of plan, but yeah, maybe Ekubo will play a bigger part later on in the show. Because, yeah, right now it just kind of seems like he's tagging along with Mob and, like, once in a while offering some good advice or helping him out, but nothing substantial at this point. I did like, I think, um, when Tango's putting together his plan, the, the discount Josuke, I think he wrote, like, a he wrote a letter. It was very poorly written because it, it wrote, it said in the letter, I'm a girl. Yeah. <laughs> That was honestly so cute. Like I found it so cute when Mob got all excited about that love letter. And then when Ekubo questioned why he believed such an obviously fake letter, he was like, <laughs> if there's a girl, I'd feel bad about making her wait. Like he's just so hoping that this letter was real. And he was so happy. I'm like, poor kid. He's so dead. <laughs> but um, speaking of Ekubo, I think earlier in the episode, I thought it was fucking hilarious when reagan said that the ghost was too weak for him to see like bro what the fuck what what can mm. this guy not pull out of his ass to keep his con <laughs> artist stick going like this guy is just on point <laughs> yeah he reminds me of all these characters in this show remind me of different things but uh reagan is kind of like the the main character in kung fu hustle uh oh, remember yeah. when he's like <laughs> he wants to join the axe gang yeah and so he shows up to that that village think, like saying that he's like a hot shit <laughs> um <laughs> that's what reagan's doing here and yeah i, I like it <laughs> we'll probably talk about this more but like towards the end like he he actually gets the things that he's been lying about when mob transfers his powers to him yeah i can't wait to talk about that um one thing i wanted to mention is with Teru, the the quote unquote antagonist of this this first arc or of this arc of the season, um, 
I mentioned before that Mob, his name in like the Japanese slang is background character. And it's funny because Teru calls himself the main character in this world. And I think there's a, a, a sort of contrast here with Teru and Mob where Teru is an example of the popularity and recognition that Mob is yearning for. But with Teru, it's more so out of establishing this very fearsome reputation with his powers rather than out of acceptance like Mob is is searching for. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They're polar opposites. Like Mob, they both have the same ability, pretty on par. I mean, Mob is stronger than Teru, but pretty on par. And we see Mob at one end of the spectrum where he's saying, this is not something that makes me special because I was born with it basically i've had it forever like this is not unique to me and then you have teru on the other side of things where he's like i'm so unique because i was gifted with this the special ability and i'm so strong um i think teru is exactly what mob could potentially be if mob viewed his powers in the same way that teru does i mean it, it goes straight to his head and i think his fucking wig that he wears later is probably <laughs> like you know a, a a motif around that or whatever you would call it um, alluding to him being, you know, he's got a big head because he's mm-hmm. got a big fucking ego, or he did anyway, until he got a beat down from Mob. In episode five, Ochimusha, Psychic Powers and Me, it's paranormal pandemonium as Teru in resonance duels a reluctant one-punch mob who, like All Might, keeps his ideals, even as Dimple farts out with a bang in a sacrifice play. As Teru keeps pushing Mob's buttons, Mob in turn gives the chosen one a fresh fade and declares them equally pathetic before passing out. He returns in questionable percentage form, causing an unquestionable amount of damage, allowing Teru to clean his naked body of his sins. Once Mob realizes that he broke his All Might ideals, he enters 100% sadness form, which restores the surrounding environment, but not so much Teru's clothes. So this is the episode where we get more of that conversation around abilities and whether or not it makes you special. So um, Mob says that power should never be used against people and then does recall what Reagan taught him about his powers, that everyone has a talent and his abilities are his talent, but that goes beyond others where it actually has the potential to kill someone. And so he needs to be very careful in using those powers. And as we said earlier, like Ted is the opposite of Mob, thinking that he's better than everyone because he was gifted with these powers. But then Mob kind of gives him the dose of reality, saying without our psychic abilities, both of us are just average and both of us are the same. And I think that's a very kind of interesting way at looking at powers because this kind of explains or kind of starts to help us understand why Mob doesn't see himself as special because he's he doesn't want to rely on these powers to be who he is. He wants to be more than that. Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. It's almost like um, if you were Superman and had Superman's powers, would you want the whole world to know you were Superman or would you want to live as a normal human being? Um, I mean, like Mob understands that his powers... Like as especially they are like you don't only use it to help people, but again, it's that balance of of wanting to help others while keeping that sort of normal life. Yeah, and he doesn't make his powers a priority in his life, and 
is seeking out something that he can work on and be proud of. Because I think I think the big thing here, because you may look at it and say, okay, you have these amazing powers. Why wouldn't you consider that special or unique to you? And I think that the issue is that he was just born OP. He didn't mm-hmm. work at it, so he doesn't feel he can be proud of that, which is, I think is why he joins the body development club or whatever it is, the, the weightlifting club, so that he can work towards something. He's clearly not a physically fit person, but he wants to work his way to being physically fit, to building muscle, and then he can be proud of that. So here he's just gifted with something, and he feels like he can't be proud of that because he didn't work at it. It just naturally is. Mm-hmm. And then we get that questionable percentage form which we only see here but it doesn't appear again like oh when he goes unconscious and yeah then, like, and something then it's scary is released yeah like this is the scariest we've seen mob do like destructible damage like around him and it's different than his explosions like i feel like him being unconscious allows whatever's inside him to take control but that's different than when he hits 100%, where I think he's still in control. He just lets all of his emotions out. Mm-hmm. So that that's a unique thing that he actually has like two different like elements to his powers that he needs to be careful of, not just one. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is obviously the most extreme example, which was enough to show Teru like what happens if you let your powers get the best of you. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's the change of heart, and he's just like the JoJo enemy turned friend. This fight was amazing, though. It was really well animated and just super intense the way that they drew, like, Teru's face throughout the whole thing. Um, he looked ugly as fuck, but, like, in a, in a mm-hmm. cool way because it just showed how intense he was being um, as he was using his powers to try to overtake Mob, but Mob's like, nah, <laughs> he can't. I'm too strong. Yeah, and then it's mobs a hundred percent sadness form where he realizes and all the damage he's caused that ironically restores everything like the school back to its normal state i know the whole time i was thinking how are they going to explain this one and then they just said we'll just revert everything yeah easy way out to not have to really explain that i guess in episode six discord to become one Rumors spread about the new shadow sheriff in town as the focus shifts to Ritsu Carlton, the jealous younger brother of One Punch Mob who wasn't blursed with psychic powers. Ritsu Carlton. Oh, Ritz Carlton? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was thinking, like, what the fuck is that? I yeah. thought you meant Carlton from um, fucking Fresh Prince. You could say that because wasn't Carlton like the younger brother in uh, Fresh Prince? I think so. <laughs> so it all fits. It all connects. Faced with a less-than-quarter-life crisis, Ritsu Carlton engages in grade school corruption and entertains himself with a group of wannabe espers at an awakening lab before running into a resurrected dimple and finally manifesting the psychic powers to kickstart his ambiguous anti-hero origin story. I love the fitness club. I I keep calling them a different thing, the fitness club. It's the body improvement club. Body improvement club. I... I love that they accept and support Mob. Again, very unexpected because you'd figure he would not. He He's like a fish out of water in the sense. And you'd, you'd figure that they would be making fun of him or saying you're not good enough for this. But they're very concerned about him and they motivate him constantly. And I absolutely love that. What did they do in this episode? They were like worried about him. They, they were trying to back him up because they thought that people were. Well, he got oh, kidnapped right. or some shit, didn't he? 
or no yeah, that was, or that was the, the the previous episode yeah with the whole school yeah yeah because yeah. like um discount josuke set that whole thing up so that he would get kidnapped and then they went there to rescue him yeah so good on them for not being like the, the jocks who who look down on yeah <laughs> stereotypical jocks yeah because you know mob made the effort to, to join their club and so they welcomed him with open arms we also get more context around Ritsu. Like, I, I feel like now we're starting to understand more about him and what's going on with this kid. And he says he needs to live up to his standards and idolizes his brother. And therefore, he feels he'll never be worthy unless he also has psychic powers. But again, he doesn't see his talents of intelligence and being a model student as anything special because he was just kind of born with these, you know, these great abilities with his great intelligence um so i find it interesting that he feels like the standard he needs to live up to is being as good of a first of all being a psychic but then also being a, a psychic as good as his brother where his brother is like nah my abilities aren't anything special i want to be popular and smart like my brother and those are my standards so it's just a, a it's an under it's a misunderstanding that um i I'm not entirely surprised by because again, like you always look at somebody else and you're like, I wish I had what that other person has without recognizing what you have yourself. Yeah. I think it's clear uh, between the two of them, like mob is pursuing popularity while Ritsu is pursuing power. And I guess again, um, with him wanting or being that kind of straight a student, uh, with that not being enough for him, he starts engaging in those illicit activities with the, I think it was the student council president. Um, the kid who's like spiraling. Yeah. And so we <laughs> just start spiraling with him because again, I think he, as what, as what you said, he doesn't see that as a, as like a status symbol. Like he wants, he wants like the psychic abilities that his brother has. And we see him start to develop his psychic powers. And my question is, is it hereditary? Because everyone expected Ritsu to have ability. Everyone who knows about Mob's abilities expected Ritsu to also have those abilities. So I'm like, in this world, um, in Mob Psycho 100, are psychic powers hereditary? Would mm. would somebody, would, would their parents have psychic abilities? Would someone in their family line have psychic abilities? I just, I find it... Um, I don't know. It's like something about that needs to be answered for me because I'm like, well, what dictates someone to have psychic abilities and what doesn't? Yeah, I wonder if it's like a a sort of event that happens that that triggers the ability. I'm trying to remember if there was anything in this episode. So there was for Ritsu. It, it was the the stress and like the anger and frustration that he ha had built up triggered his psychic ability mm, so maybe it's like based on really strong emotions as with mob but again like everyone was saying oh your brother is a psychic why aren't you making mm. me feel like they're thinking you know it doesn't run in the family like if if one sibling has it why doesn't the other sibling have it maybe at some point they'll explain how that's all differentiated yeah plus ritsu's younger than mob um so maybe it, it also just comes with age i don't know yeah when did mob mob, well, mob had his abilities when he was a kid mm, there were those okay. flashbacks yeah, there's when all he of was these, testing them out yeah all these things i, I don't know we'll find That's out it. maybe <laughs> or maybe it's not important enough for them to explain i don't know <laughs> 
In episode seven, exaltation, I've obtained loss. Is this loss? With the help of the fart cloud, Ritsu Carlton develops his psychic powers and and utilizes them to teach his corrupt student council president a lesson in morals, though a reformed Teru in resonance meets him in passing and warns not to let it get to his head like Teru's new hairdo has on his own noggin. As Reagan saves One Punch Mob from a scam straight out of his own book, Ritsu runs into a bunch of ne'er-do-wells seeking the shadow sheriff dubbed White Tea Poison and bends them to his psychic will until Teru summons Mob to the ruckus. We finally get more um, Reagan and Mob content. I I really like this because it's the first time I think we're seeing Reagan saving Mob versus Mob saving Reagan. Although it's like a very short scene compared to everything else it is it's like yeah a, like a cameo scene yeah i kind of wish there was more more like this but i do appreciate reagan being able to give back to mob in this way by helping the uh the gullible dense kid not get scammed by um other types of con artists even though he's kind of <laughs> doing the same thing i mean he, he knows their he stick <laughs> pays him a, a very small amount but he technically pays mob to work for him <laughs> yeah like yeah gullible mob but thankfully the scammer saves him from the scammers. (laughs) (laughs) We also see Ritsu getting drunk on his power, um, power that is fueled by corruption and guilt. But then he says that the trash is finally gone from the school when the president quits or whatever. So in my mind, did Ritsu know this whole time what the president's intents were and were Ritsu's intentions actually good? Or was he starting to spiral with the president, but then realized and then like pulled back and got him kicked out of the, not kicked out of the school, but kicked out of being president? Is he still president? I don't know, actually. I think he's still president. Okay. Uh, but yeah, as his power is continuing to grow, like his personality was also just becoming more cold. He's so angsty now. Yeah. And I think... That's just another example of like the power going to his head. And I think because he has the psychic abilities now, he kind of sees him as one up over the president. Um, so that's probably why he wanted to frame him. Like even though he was also complicit in like framing, was it Tenga? That was, uh, that was the episode before, right? Where he was framing Tenga as, the, as being a pervert. Yeah, it was the episode before. Yeah, and sorry, every time you say Tanga, isn't that a uh isn't that a flashlight company? <laughs> what? <laughs> Tanga. <laughs> I you keep saying Tanga and like I don't remember that character's <laughs> name. I never <laughs> Wait. Cuz they call him oh, oh, they call him Onigawara in yeah. the show. So I, I just go by the first name. <laughs> so every time yeah. you say Tanga, I keep stopping and thinking I'm like is that like i just think about tango products (laughs) i wonder if that's why they named or gave him that name because i like you know i'm terrible with names and i i just keep thinking about how they call him onigawara in the show and then you're calling him tanga and so my i'm not thinking discount josuke when you say that i'm thinking tanga 
sex toys. Oh, maybe <laughs> Sorry. I should just call it. I had to Google it really quick while you were talking, and then it came up and confirmed okay. you. <laughs> well, maybe I should just call him Discount Josuke <laughs> from this point onward. I mean, yeah, because Oni, Onigawara is a long name, but yeah, Discount Josuke. You can you know, call it. That's his name. Tenga is his name. I'm sure there are other people named Tenga. Um whether you consider that unfortunate or not but yeah sorry i just needed to take a second to to google that and yes my my uh question was uh, answered um yeah where was i going yeah what were we talking about <laughs> oh we were, i was talking about like uh, the president framing discount josuke in the previous episode and then now that ritsu has his power it's going to his head and then that's what leads him to frame or like put the upper hand over the president and say like i've got you on a string now yeah, um, I, I feel like Ritsu and then you have like Teru are going through opposite character development where Ritsu's like spiraling and then Teru actually changes his ways after going up against his mob. hair and his hair. <laughs> I, I love <laughs> again with the humor. I love that. Like, yeah, they show him with this big ass wig, but they keep the stick going for like the rest of the season until his his wig gets chopped off in like one of the last episodes mm -hmm. like they, they keep it going and like people will acknowledge it at first when they see him for the first time with that big ass wig on but then they like don't say anything else and he continues to wear it it's so fucking funny yeah, it's almost like um the i think they're called the the bearskin hats that the the queen's guard in britain yeah. wears. <laughs> i don't know what what made them think of this concept too to put hair back on Tara's head, but yeah, humor the humor works. In episode eight, the older brother bows, destructive intent. It's brother against brother as one punch mob confront Ritsu Carlton for his misdeeds born out of sibling animosity, but takes up the big brotherly role in asking for forgiveness from his younger brother's victims. Meanwhile, a hooded scar-faced figure who is rounding up wannabe and soon-to-be espers tries to abscond with Ritsu, believing him to be white tea poison, sending Mob into berserker mode until hooded Scarface eventually escapes with Ritsu. Dimple and Teru in resonance team up with Mob for their inevitable rescue mission and head to the, to the Awakening Lab for answers, as the wannabe and soon-to-be espers are escorted to a separate facility without answers. So in this episode, Ritsu admits that it was not admiration, but actually an inferior inferiority complex combined with like this fear of not surviving if Mob went out of control again. Um, that that that's really that, that's the real reason why he was always keeping his brother calm and relaxed and, and being overly concerned about him because again he knew he would not survive if Mob had another unconscious explosion not like a regular explosion but one where he went unconscious um so i i found that really interesting and i thought that through ritsu spiraling and being resentful of his brother that he was almost going to be set up as like this this antagonist character like maybe mob loses his brother to this organization and then he needs to like not only get him back but convince him to to not go down this path like he's straying down the wrong path but then that got resolved so quickly when they introduced Claw and kidnapped Ritsu and he was put in the situation where he saw how terrible this organization is. So I, I felt like that was a little disappointing, at least in my mind, because I, I was like envisioning something like a really cool like, dynamic between Ritsu and Mob. 
but then Ritsu just like 180s and he's fine again. Like brother against brother. Yeah, that's what I thought they were going with it or where the, where I thought they were going with it. Um, But maybe now they can team up because they're both psychics. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I think it's when Ritsu saw Mob bow to the to the victims of his abilities um that's again mob not putting his powers first but rather his the 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 traits that make him normal and and human i guess so like mob could have easily i guess used his abilities against his brother here right uh, because now they both have psychic powers and you can have this psychic showdown between the two, but he ends up being the bigger man um, by, again, not putting so much focus on his powers and, and doing the moral and altruistic thing by still acting like that big brother, even though his little brother no longer sees him on that level. Un- until now, where I think as this this kidnapping arc comes into play. Ritsu starts realizing how important his brother is to him just as a brother. Yeah. And I think hearing you explain that, that, that does make sense. I feel like Ritsu's almost going down the path that Teru went down mm-hmm. where again, like the power is going to his head. He feels superior um, to these other people who don't have psychic abilities or only have limited abilities. And um, and then Mob comes in who was born with these abilities and he's so much more powerful than everyone, but he doesn't let that define him. And he, he wants to be more than that. He wants to be a human first above everything else. Um, so I think that's very humbling for Ritsu to see. Like he he would expect, you know, my brother's super powerful. Why, why wouldn't it go to his head knowing that he could be better than everybody else? But mm-hmm. Mob doesn't Mob doesn't operate in that way. Yeah, but man, did he get a beat down in this episode against the, I don't remember his name. I think it was Koyama, the, the hooded guy. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was a brutal fight. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this was one where it's it's not flashy or really gorgeously animated, but just just seeing how, I'll call him hooded Scarface, like my synopsis. It just makes quick work of Mob with his strength. Like, you, you you don't think that there's anyone out there who can match Mob's level. But I think it's Mob is kind of purposely holding back um, just because he doesn't want to hurt others, as as was in, uh, ingrained with him um, through Reagan until, I think, he realizes that he's about to ca- um, kidnap Ritsu. In episode 9, Claw 7th Division, turns out this is all the nefarious work of the Claw, a cliched villain group which seeks to use the Espers for their cliched world domination plans. While Ritsu Carlton conspires with the ragtag group to drum up, to drum up an escape plan, One Punch Mob's mob learns of the facility's location through one of Claw's lackeys, who continue to put Mob's ideals to the test as the leaders of Claw, aka the Scars, anticipate their approach. And Hooded Scarface shows his eagerness for a second supernatural slugfest with white tea poison. It was at this point where I was like, I kind of miss Reagan. Like, I was hoping to see more of him and for him to play a bigger role, but in the last several episodes, he kind of took a backseat after, like, the first 
third or so of the season having more of a focus on him. Uh, he does come back, so we'll talk about that when that happens. Mm-hmm. But I, I was missing him by this point. Yeah, I think the the only note I had with this episode, yeah, I didn't realize like Reagan does take a bit of a bow um, after that one scene uh, against the scammers. Uh, but here it's kind of, this episode kind of cleans up with Ritsu's character development where um, he is with the Espers and he's the one that's kind of taking the charge in putting together a plan for them to escape. And I think this goes back to Ritsu being like the top of his class. You see his leadership qualities here at work and it's just reinforcing that he doesn't need his powers to be a natural born leader because that's what he's already great at. And it is interesting to watch Mob willing, willingly use his powers against others now. I think now that the stakes are raised and with his brother being in trouble. Um, but I, I want to see more like him being more conflicted around that because that's a pretty big mental shift for him to be told and to believe that his power should never be used against other people and even sticking to that belief when he was up against Teru now he's being pushed to fight in order to save others but I feel like there should be more struggle for him to do so yeah he needs to I keep my ideals (laughs) (laughs) fucking opening (laughs) in episode 10 the heinous aura mastermind One Punch Mob's mob splits ways as various leaders and lackeys are sent to take care of them as Ritsu's ragtag retinue make their way out of the facility, though Ritsu Carlton stays behind to hold the line. Mob, of course, is too OP for any of these scrubs, but the sight of Ritsu's body, manifested by one of the scars, demoralizes him, placing his group within Claw's big, meaty claw. Elsewhere, the wannabe espers manage to make it to the exit, but are stopped in their tracks as the organization's villainous leader approaches. And it's Reagan? Are you fucking kidding me? I appreciate that they aren't wasting our time with these fights by having some like big drawn out battle between Mob's crew and the Scars or whatever. They're moving through them quickly and, and tag teaming it without all the drama that you usually see when they go up against a group of villains. Kind of like Hunter Hunter style where they're like, yeah. we just make quick work of these enemies. Um, you get just enough to understand what's going on in the fight and then that's all you need. Like they just, they don't drag that shit out. So I, I was worried that was going to happen when you had this slew of scars. I don't even, I don't remember how many there were, but they were a mm-hmm. lot. I think there were like 11 in total. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot. Yeah. But yeah, they, they made quick work of them. So that was great. Um, I loved that Mob was crying because he was so sad to go against Reagan's teaching that the scummiest people hit women. It, it just shows how much he looks up to Reagan despite falling for his farce all the time. But Reagan, I think, has has instilled some really good values into Mob um, and has really helped him to understand like the type of person that he should be or maybe wants to be. And you get more context around the start of their relationship in like the next episode or the last episode. But I, it's it's nice to see that kind of stuff come from Reagan, who is a con artist by trade. You wouldn't expect it. You'd expect him to be a really scummy, sleazy person. But he does, I think he does genuinely care about Mob, not just for his abilities, but to help this kid like 
grow into being a good person. Yeah, here's my other comparison. It's sort of like uh, the relationship between Reagan and Mob is like um, Yandu and Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I didn't know who you were talking about until you said Star-Lord. I'm like, who the fuck is Yandu? <laughs> it was the, is it the, the, the blue guy with the, with the whistles? Yeah, and the Mohawk who's played by Michael Rooker. I don't know how you remember that name. That's that's very... Yandu? It's very specific. I'm pretty sure it was is young. Yeah, it's uh, no. I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I can't remember names. But but that too. It's like you have these two gruff characters who don't have like the <laughs> the best intentions, but they still have some sort of morals intact. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's great <laughs> that during that that fight where Mob's facing the the female echelon leader or whatever, and he, at first he calls him. Or she, he he asks, "Are you violent too, old lady?" <laughs> <laughs> but that he remembers that um, Reagan instilled that very good virtue of of being chivalrous. And yeah, as you said earlier, uh, I I thought this was a very good and evenly paced action episode. You don't have the drawn out battles with any any of these scars. I think in a show like Hunter Hunter or Dragon Ball, this could have easily been like a three episode arc. Uh, well, Hunter Hunter during the Chimera Ant arc, sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But I, I feel like Hunter Hunter is quick with their enemies too. Yeah, I guess yeah, just that that one arc. Um, but yeah, here it just you get pretty much an easy resolution with with the fights because obviously mob cannot be stopped because he is so op but then he reaches that that downfall when he sees ritsu that was it like an apparition right that wasn't the real ritsu uh i don't remember what do you mean when that one remember the, the one leader uh has the ability to show like people in like a mangled state like when he showed Ritsu's injured body oh on the ground yeah oh i thought that was the real Ritsu. oh yeah i don't i don't know, I don't know actually was. now now it, it may not have it might have yeah i think it was just something to uh trigger like mob's emotions oh or, i like, thought it was the real one but maybe I'm i don't just, know maybe i'm dense like I, either way it, it, it worked so <laughs> In episode 11, Master Leader, yes, you were fucking kidding me, as Reagan is up to his scammy ways again in convincing the lackeys that he indeed is the leader of Claw and eventually makes it over to One Punch Mob's Mob and Ritsu Carlton until they are confronted by the real Mr. Krabs of the Scars. Reagan gives their lackeys an opportunity at an honest life while reminding Mob of his All Might ideals though Teru in resonance and Ritsu Carlton beat back the baddies without batting a brow. Mob nearly pops off with 100% murderous intent to save his friend's psychic skins until Reagan snaps him out of it. But when the psychic scammer is sliced in the back by a scar, Mob is thrust into a 100% cliffhanger. This was a really good episode, really funny, probably one of my favorites from the season. When they teased Reagan, Reagan as the leader in the previous episode, I was like, 
50-50. Like half of me could see a big plot twist where he turned out to be the leader somehow. And then the other half of me was like, nah, this is going to be some weird or funny situation where Reagan's kind of bluffing his way through it. Turns out it was the latter. Like he's a con artist, so he it makes sense he can read the room and act so naturally without ever lying or saying he's their leader. The way this whole thing played out was just perfect it was it was so good and then we get a glimpse into how mob and reagan met and we see that reagan teaches mob how to deal with things in peaceful and rational manners saying that it's okay to run away if things are are looking dangerous yeah going back going back to reagan just bullshitting his way through the facility uh it's it's kind of like like bluffing in poker Right, you don't play the game. What's the like? You, you don't you play the opponents. Yeah, or I think it, going back to the the office, um, the first or not going back to the office. Did we make an office reference? At some point, I'm sure we did. <laughs> okay, well, oh, I think it was our our, our pre-show. Um, oh no, when we're talking about the pa- <laughs> the Patreon thing, I got dicks on the brain. Oh yeah, <laughs> no penis is on the brain. Penis is on the Damn brain. Damn it, these okay. penises keep coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody, but I guess yeah. Going back to another office quote, it uh, what Pam says in one of the later seasons. The first lesson of watching World Poker Tour at two a.m. You play the opponent, not the cards. So that's what Reagan was doing here, and he did it with great aplomb. Wow, another office quote. <laughs> um, yeah, the second thing with uh, getting more of the, or more backstory with Reagan's relationship with Mob, again, you just see more of his unexpected morality um, and telling Mob to use his powers for good, never to harm others, even though Reagan is financially harming others by scamming his clients. Uh, but I guess in a way he's still helping people by, by using mob. So it's just like a lot of fingers pointing to whether or not Reagan is good or Reagan is bad. But I think ultimately he is altruistic in nature. It's just the means by which he is altruistic. (laughs) And in the final episode for this first season, episode 12, Mob and Reagan, a giant Suchinoko appears. Thankfully, we don't have to hang on to that cliff too long, dear listeners, as Reagan brushes off the slicing, which essentially came from a toy sword, and miraculously throws OP hands against the claw leaders. It is later revealed that One Punch Mob has temporarily lent his powers to his sleazy senpai with 1000% gratitude allowing him to keep his All Might ideals. Reagan calls out the Scars for their lofty, cliched goals, despite still being puny human specimens with special powers. Division leader Ishiguro loses his shit at these words, but is struck down by some ginger kid keeping tabs on the entire situation and puts a kibosh on the Claw's 7th Division. Everyone then moves on with their psychotically normal lives as One Punch Mob and Reagan go on the hunt for a magical beast, showing that their mob still runs deep. The latter half of this episode was alright, but the first half was great when Reagan gave the Claw members a slap to the face of reality. Like in the previous episode, he says he never loses an argument to an adult, but he can't argue with these guys because they're all children who never grew up, which Mm. I think is, it makes sense because this organization's tactic is brainwashing psychics when they're young. 
But Reagan is basically saying they're all delusional and they have this grandiose plan of taking over a world that they've never actually lived in and experienced. And it was so refreshing to have a character be so realistic and honest with a villain. Like he wasn't, yeah, he defeated them physically, I guess, with the powers he got from Mob, but he first mentally defeated them by just being flat out brutally honest with them. And that was just great. Now, I think that's what Mob was essentially looking for, right? Um, A way to battle somebody without having to physically go up against them. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, that's the caveat I was referring to earlier in our uh, in our discussion. But also that, like with these villains, I feel like there's a throughout this first season, it, there's a culmination of how these psychic abilities and powers should be utilized with tarot it was making sure like you're not using them to become popular with ritsu it's making sure you're not using them to become powerful and with these leaders of claw it's not to use them to subjugate people or to be worshipped but it, it goes back to what reagan's always told mob is to to help others and reagan telling these 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 leaders that it's not these powers that make you great people. It's just living life to its fullest regardless. Um, that's just something that's being reinforced with Mob as he also tries, like, tries to figure out how to manage his powers and live that normal life. Did Mob, like, so we get the, the whole thing established that Mob can transfer his powers over to others. Did he realize it, or does he still think that Reagan has powers? Like, I know Ekubo immediately knew what the fuck was going on, but did Mob realize he transferred powers, or did he think that Reagan had those powers himself and, like, manifested them himself? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I don't Because I know the recall. members of Claw were like, oh, shit, he is legit, because he was whooping their ass, which was great, by the way. Watching Reagan do all of that and, like, half the time not even realize what he was doing, uh, I thought that was fantastic especially with like the plastic sword or whatever and then he just snaps it in half um and then he's like swatting away like the the black holes that the one guy is <laughs> shooting at him it was so well done but in my mind i'm like did they clarify if mob knew what happened like the the truth of what happened knowing him he's mm, dead so probably not yeah but... i, I want to say everyone was oblivious to it except for dimple because even um Ritsu and Teru were like, whoa, this guy really is powerful. And so if yeah. they were that dense, then I'm sure Mob was also that dense. I like how they did that, though, in order to keep up the whole facade, um, like keep Reagan's facade going. Because in my mind, I was like, at some point, especially in this fight, they're going to figure out the truth. But mm -hmm. nope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They so had a loophole. <laughs> Reagan was just peak con man at this point in the series. Just really quick before we wrap things up, the, that ginger-haired kid, uh, I think his name was Sho. What was his point? Or I, I know it's like um, uh, he was just there to kind of observe the the leaders thing, and then he shut down the division. Um, but I think he 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 said he expressed his disappointment in Mob right before he leaves. So I don't know if like is this like a hint at him being like the next season's antagonist, or I think his father 
is like the boss, the 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 big boss of Claw. Yeah. Um. So yeah. What That's the think? sense I got that he was disappointed in Mob because Mob wasn't using his powers in a certain way or to his full potential or whatever. Um. But yeah, I, I I'm guessing that that kid will be a major player in season two. Yeah, which I'm sure we're, we'll we'll start pretty soon with the coming of season three this fall. Uh, yeah, the episode just ends with like a a bug hunt or not a what a just a creature hunt. Yeah, <laughs> or Bigfoot. <laughs> I think it was like the, comparing Suchinoko sightings to like Bigfoot sightings, and I think Mob defeats one, but Reagan's reverted back to his normal form and hasn't seen the Suchinoko or whatever. I think so. Um, but we do get confirmation that that something is left over in Reagan from getting Mob's powers because now he can see Ekubo. Oh, that right. I kind of felt like was a cop out. Like, eh, like that was just like like a convenient plot point or plot device just so that he could start interacting with Ekubo. Unless later on we get other things that Reagan can now do because he had Mob's powers for a short amount of time. But if it's just like, oh, now you can see Ekobo because you had, had temporarily had Mob's powers, nah, I kind of feel like that's uh, an easy way out. Maybe it was like a, a consolation. Because I feel like having like 1,000% of psychic powers, like it would leave a lingering effect on you. I guess. Um, but I, I mean, Ekobo also said that he has a visible mode where he's visible to regular people. So mm. couldn't couldn't that be the explanation for for reagan i don't know we'll see maybe it comes into play in season two but for now we reach our final thoughts for mob psycho 100 season one so from zero to mob psycho 100 what would you rate this episode (laughs) um I would rate it an 80%, which would be the equivalent (laughs) of 8 out of 10. Solid 8 out of 10. I had a lot of fun with this. I thought it was so funny. Um, It had me like audibly laughing multiple times. Like I'm sure you were sitting there on the couch next to me like, stop laughing so much. (laughs) I, I thought it was really, really funny. I thought the animation was really, really cool. I just wanted a little, a little something more from the plot, but Again, maybe it's setting the foundation for the rest of the story and we'll get more more from the story itself in season two. So I'm looking forward to watching season two because I have heard many, many good things about it. What about you? Yeah, I would give this 75%. So seven and a half out of 10. Uh, I may not have been feeling the crazy 100% about this anime, but I still think it was a fun watch. And to your same point, I think it's just setting a foundation for for something big in season two and hopefully season three. Uh, so very high expectations for what's to come based on what I've been hearing. Um, yeah, in terms of characters, despite his deadly psychic abilities, Mob is still a good kid at heart. That's what I appreciate about him. And he just knows how to shoulder his responsibilities as an esper and as a brother, whilst going through his own awkward middle schooler phase. Uh, Reagan, on the other hand, is a very bizarre mentor figure for Mob, but I appreciate his street smart and kind of down-to-earth approach to show Mob what's right and what's wrong, even if his own job 
as a con artist is morally wrong. And maybe the psychic powers in the show are kind of like a metaphor for not allowing ourselves to be defined by one single trait or or one single flaw and to just be well-rounded individuals. Or maybe it's just a check-the-box power system to keep the show kind of within the shonen category. I don't know. But regardless, the show doesn't feel too heavy. I thought the plot was briskly paced with with its unique animation style, as we've touched upon. And it has that gratuitous tinge of comedy and exposition. So all in all, I, I would say it was a good show, but was more of an easy watch than something really enthralling. So again, expecting big things to come with season two and season three. An easy watch until that OP comes on and then there's craziness on screen. <laughs> yeah, 100% craziness. Look forward to our review of Mob Psycho 102 at some point in the next several weeks. I'm looking at our schedule. I won't spoil when it's coming, but it'll be um, it'll be soon, soon-ish. <laughs> it'll be at some point between now and season three's um, you know premiere date in October. So look forward to that. I am excited to to watch season two and talk all about that. But thank you everyone for tuning in. We appreciate it as always. And that wraps up episode 87 of Strictly Anime. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday. Join our Discord to continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly series and on Twitter at Strictly series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll find more info on Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Ace, and here we come!